Well, welcome to Propel Church Online. We're so grateful that you joined us this week. My name is Noah Black. I have the privilege of serving here at Propel Church as the worship director. And I have the honor of kicking off a brand new series called In the Wilderness. And so I want to start off this week with the, the title of Rhythms in the Wilderness. And so if it's all right with you guys, I'd love to just go ahead and jump right in into this. So kicking off this series, what we can know about a rhythm is that it's a pattern and it's a, it's a repetitive movement to put together a composition of music. And so for us here at the worship team, we love to, to put together songs excellently and, and putting together a beat and making a song sound good and putting the rhythm together. And so, but we, we also know, we can also find that we don't just have rhythms in music, we have it in our day-to-day lifestyles, the decisions we make, some, some habits that we have on a daily basis. We know that we can have rhythms. For some, you may find that you have a rhythm of going to the gym every day. For others, you may have a, a routine and a rhythm of driving by the gym every day to go stop by a Krispy Kreme and get some, some hot and ready donuts. Amen. And so either way, wherever you're at, we know that we have rhythms in our lives, things that we're used to, things that we are, are in, in our routines. And so within that, what I want to touch on today is what happens, how do we react, how do we respond whenever our rhythms shift? What do we do whenever something changes what we're used to? On a practical level, maybe you uh, have been in a state of moving houses and you know the, how that shifts your rhythm, how that shifts your day-to-day routine, whatever it may be whatever situations you're in, but also on a spiritual level, what happens when we're faced with something that we're not used to. And so I want to dive into that today and how can we build rhythms and how can we step into what God's calling is for you and I more confidently. And so we're going to be diving into what some of those look like. We're going to be in Daniel chapter three, and what you're going to find in this passage is you're going to read about three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now these guys are incredible ambassadors of God. They love, they seek after God in incredible ways. And you find them in Daniel chapter three. They're under the rule of a man named King Nebuchadnezzar. Now King Neb just built this huge statue and told everybody in the land of Babylon, I need you to bow down and I need you to worship this statue. And with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being followers of God, they knew that they were like, hey, this is not right. And we we refuse to worship and to bow down to your statue. And so you find them in verse 13 in Daniel chapter three, you see them and it picks up here. Then King Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and to worship the statue that I've made whenever you hear the sound of musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves from you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. So if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down a few points. The first point for you is that the rhythms you set today impacts the results 
of tomorrow. The daily habits you and I set up, I think they make a bigger impact than what we realize. I think that the present moment decisions we make affect our future in powerful ways. Let's go back to the gym for a moment, right? You may set a discipline of going to the gym frequently. You know that whenever you, you lift weights or you run or you do all of those things, you know that, that it, it makes you sore. It makes you tired of, on that day, but you notice the next day you're stronger than you were the day before. For others, you may set an active rhythm of, of engaging with your family more on an emotional level, right? So you, you communicate with them every day or you communicate with some friends, you text friends or you, you connect with them on social media. You know that the more days that you spend in engaging in conversation and building a relationship, the stronger that relationship can get. Whatever your rhythms are today, realize that it sets up what you experience in the future. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you go back and you dive deeper into their story, this wasn't just some out of the blue faith stance for God moment. They've been developing their faith for a long time. They worshiped God, they fasted, they sacrificed things to God. In moments where it seemed convenient, in moments where it seemed inconvenient, they still held on to the hope that God had given them. And it was a very powerful moment in this because it had all those moments of worshiping God, whenever it felt good and whenever it didn't necessarily feel right, they, they sought after him. It was preparing them for a moment like this to stand up and say, you know what? The God I serve, I trust him. And in this moment, I'm declaring that he's the only one worth worshiping. Even whenever the odds weren't in their favor, even whenever everybody else was bowing down, they said, we're not because our God is the only one worth worshiping. So let's keep reading in verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So he tied them up, threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw in the three men. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. Here's where we jump into this, guys. This is exciting. That, but suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie three men up and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we, we certainly did, they replied. And look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks just like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Second point after you today is that the rhythm of God's heart is redemption. The rhythm of God's heart is redemption. You see, redemption is that action of, of saving or rescuing something in just the, the split second, in the nick of time. Redemption may not always be offered as some convenient or comfortable thing. You see, for, for them, it, it was just like right in that moment. It wasn't convenient, but he offered redemption even in the middle of a furnace. And so in other words, whenever things seem inconvenient and uncomfortable, behind the scenes, God's actually working something for good. God will inconvenience our plans if it means that it will bring us closer to him and draw others to himself. And if we would understand that, that when God wants to use us 
and to speak through us to reach others, we have to realize it has to be uncomfortable at times. That if it was comfortable, then we wouldn't need God. We could do it on our own. And it's moments like this that reminded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to rely on God's strength and not their own. I think for you and I, we can find the same thing. There's gonna be moments where we, we can't rely on our own strength. Ultimately has to come from God. And these three had just experienced one of the most redemptive moments in history because they were looking death in the face and they were thrown into a fire, into a fire that was so hot that it killed the soldiers that threw them in it. Like that's how hot it was. And yet not only did they come out unburned, unscathed, but they came out, didn't even smell like smoke and they were totally safe. And you find in verse 25, I think this is so incredibly powerful that we find verse 25 said that there were four men in the fire and that even the people that didn't believe in God acknowledged it as it looked like the son of God. And what we can find is Jesus is introduced all the way in the New Testament and Matthew and the gospels and all that, but he's present in this very moment many years before in the Old Testament that Jesus is right there directly there with them. And we find what you and I can apply to that is that no matter the fire in front of you, Jesus is with you. No matter what you're facing, Jesus is right in the center of it. See, God never promised that you wouldn't go through a fire. You will. But he does promise that Jesus is gonna be right there with you through all of it. And so in that, we can find peace that God is working all things for good and for redemption and Jesus is right there with you. So when you're faced with an unexpected loss of your job, don't see it as this this woe is me moment in that you just lost everything and it's just this terrible thing. Look at it as, as it's not a setback, but it's a setup for what's next for you and that God's preparing you for something huge. Whenever you're faced with a struggle of a family member or a close friend cutting you deep into your core, saying something negative, doing something negative, whatever it is, hey, trust me, I know people can suck sometimes. Well, what you learn is that in those moments, if we would apply grace and we would show mercy, we would see God do some incredible things in our lives and in people's lives around us. If you're going through singleness, don't look at it as an inconvenience. Don't look at it as just this burden on your life. I know there's guys out there that's like, oh, I just want me a lady. And there's girls that's like, oh, I just want a sugar daddy that's gonna pay for all my bills. Like, slow down, chill, you'll be all right. See that as a moment where you can patiently seek after God and fall more intimately in love with him. And there, there's countless other things. If you're a person who you've been trying to have a child for a long time and, and you've, been, you've been trying time after time after time, see it as an opportunity. Don't, don't think of it as God withholding a blessing from you. See it as God giving the opportunity to be patient. And whenever he provides a child to reach a certain group of people in a certain generation at the right time. Because guys, re- redemption isn't always convenient, but man, it's always worth it. And so, Convenience sometimes offers us temporary satisfaction, but it never offers us growth. So God's heart is redemption. So walk in the rhythm of that instead of what makes you comfortable. So let's keep reading in verse 27. Verse 27 says, Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was cinched, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. 
They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race, nation, or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb. Wow, that escalated quickly. And their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. So my last point for you today is your rhythm impacts others' rhythm. Your rhythm impacts others' rhythm. The way that you and I choose to obey God or disobey God not only affects us, it affects the people around us. Because of the stance and the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because of that faith they had in God resulted in kingdoms acknowledging that God was above all. It resulted in idols falling and statues falling. And it showed the people of the land how powerful and how mighty the God that they served was. And it wasn't because of some spur of the moment faith. It was because for their lives in boring moments and in exciting moments, in hardships and in triumphs, they praised God no matter the outcome. And they trusted in him. And so you may be watching, you may be tuning in, you may be thinking, Noah, that's a, that's a great story. That's awesome to hear and whatnot. But, but like, how, do, how does this work today? Like, I've never seen somebody thrown in a fire. I've never seen anybody put in a position where they get thrown into a furnace and then they just come out and everything's all good. Like, like you're talking about big faith and you're talking about big miracles, but like, how, like how, where have you even seen that? And so glad you asked for, for one, but I think for me personally, there's been so many times where God has just shown a development of, of worship and how in your rhythms, how he can just shine through and how he's still a God of, of miracles. But I, I think back to one, I don't have to think back hundreds or thousands of years in scripture. I think back to five or six years ago, uh, we were, I was serving at a church at the time and uh, a bunch of the students would come together and we would just hang out and we, we would do work at the church. And we went on a lunch one day, it was myself, my old youth pastor, and then a friend of ours. And we went to this restaurant and there was a guy that came in and, and out of nowhere, he just passed out in front of the restaurant. And in this moment, we all started frantically just kind of freaking out, like, what do we do? And so we called the ambulance and they transported him to the hospital. It turned out that he had been on top of a factory the entire day in the middle of the summer and he ended up having a heat stroke and ended up having a brain aneurysm. And so they transported him to another hospital down the road. And so in that, we, we decided like, well, let's, let's go check on him. You know, we were there. We want to make sure that he's all good. And so went to go check on him and we got information from the doctors that um, the man's name was Dennis. Uh, he had only been in America less than 24 hours. He was originally from Holland. He was on some, some work business going on. And so um, they were trying to find contact to, to touch base with his family and let them know what was going on. But the time difference, they couldn't communicate. And so it was just this really scary moment, I know, for him. And, but then they, they immediately followed it up with some pretty heavy news that, hey, we don't, we don't think he's going to make it. Like, the chances of him making it out of this is very slim. Even if he, he makes it through this and doesn't pass away, he's going to have to go through months of surgeries and tests and all this stuff, and, and he's not going to be able to go back home. And so it was, incredibly, uh, it was incredibly sad of a moment to experience that. In that moment, we just began to pray. We reached out to our church family at the time and just, just asked them to pray for him, for his family. And we went in and checked in on him every couple of days. And eventually they got in contact with his parents. They flew down. And on our way up to meet 
his parents, we, we just begin to pray like, God, what do, we, what do we speak into a family like that? That they have no idea if their son's gonna live. They have no idea what's going on. Like, what can we do to speak into them? How can we encourage them and give them even just an ounce of hope? And are they even gonna understand our language if they're from Holland? They speak a totally different language. Like, what's, what's gonna happen? And God immediately stopped us in our tracks and said, shift your focus. Why don't you believe that I can heal my children? In that moment, it, it put my faith at a halt of like, what, what do I believe? Do I believe that God can still heal? And as we're going in and we arrive and I've got this on my mind and just it's going through my mind the entire time, we, we've eventually come face to face with his parents. And I look at them and they just had the biggest smiles on their face and they were just so joyful. And we, we begin to speak to them and thankfully they, they didn't know much English, but what they did, they could understand what we were telling them and they could put together a, a little bit of broken English to make responses. And they just began to talk about life and everything, just building connection with them. And then we eventually asked them, hey, you know, to get to the root of this, we know that this is a really dark situation. Is there anything that we can do for you in this moment? What can we do to pray for you or anything? And they immediately just got the biggest smiles on their face. And they just begin to repeat this, this phrase, and you guys forgive me because I don't speak Dutch at all, but they begin to repeat this statement over and over that said, Wunder von Christus. They repeated it several times over and over and over, Wunder von Christus. And we asked them, like, what are, what are you guys saying? Like, you guys are getting super excited about this. What does it mean? And the dad looked at us with tears in his eyes and a big smile on his face. He said, it means the wonders and the miracles of Christ that whatever happens, if, if Dennis comes out of this and he's totally fine and he gets healed, we're gonna praise God for it because he was with us. But if he doesn't and he doesn't make it through this, we're gonna praise God anyway because we know that he was still with us in this and he's gonna get to be with Jesus and he's gonna be completely healed and he won't have to go through any more pain. And it was in that moment that my faith was floored and that the rhythms of faith that they had set up for years, they had no idea it was gonna change a 15 or 16 year old's life from North Carolina. Then in that moment, the faith that they had had, I'm looking dead in the face of a family who's in the furnace, who doesn't know if their son's gonna make it out alive. And yet they're choosing to praise God. That shifted everything in my faith to this day of the way that I look at how to have faith in God in moments of darkness. The incredible thing, let's get ready to close. That wasn't the end of the story. We, we, touch base with them, we were able to pray with them. And then we left and we, we decided, hey, we won't come as much. We don't wanna burden them or bother them. We want them to stay with him through this process. And if we need to do anything, we'll, we'll come and check in. And so about a week passed by, we checked back in. Uh, we, we came up to the receptionist and we're saying, hey, we're here to see Dennis. And then she said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, he's, he's not here. And so our hearts immediately just sank. Because our, our first reaction was, oh man, he didn't, he didn't make it. They said that even if he did make it, he'd be here for months and months and months. Like he's, he didn't make it. And so our next reply was, well, we're, we're so sorry. We had no idea this happened and we're heartbroken. And just began to just kind of mourn in that moment. And then they said, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand. He got totally better. Like he healed in less than a week. Like he was totally fine. And, and she said, it just, it came out of nowhere. I remember her saying it came out of nowhere. And then my, immediately thought, my immediate thought was, ma'am, I don't think you understand. It didn't come out of nowhere. This came from a God who is able to save and a God that is able to heal even whenever it doesn't seem like it's possible. And to reflect on that, the same God that was with Dennis 
in that hospital room as we began to pray over him and to believe that God was gonna do a work. He not only brought healing, but he brought him healing to where he was able to be unharmed and unsinged, as the scripture would say, that he was able to go home and he was completely healed. The same God that was there with Dennis was the same God that was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not only that, he's the same God that's there for you, for me, in every moment. So what I'm telling you is that Dennis and his family may have been through the fire, but they came out on the other side full of faith and full of life. And it was that even if faith. I love what 17, verse 17 and 18 said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. But even if he doesn't, that even if faith can impact everyone around you, the rhythms of faith that you set up can change everything. It can impact the 15 or 16 year old that's just trying to navigate life. It can impact the family who's about to lose a child. It can impact the single parent that's just trying to make ends meet. It can impact the person who is addicted to drugs. No matter what, the rhythms of the faith that you have can impact lives forever. Not just your own, but the people around you. Is that, it's that even if faith that transforms you and I. So as I close, I just wanna talk to two people. The first person I wanna talk to is a lot of you who are tuning in. You've been following Jesus for a long time. You've been seeking after him, seeking his direction, whether it's been for a couple days or it's been for many, many years. You've been seeking God in moments. And in, these, in this time of this pandemic, it's easy for our faith to have some wear and tear to it, for it to become a struggle for it to become very stressful. And in that, my question is, do you have that even if faith? That even if you get the outcome that you want, or even if you don't, do you trust that God's working all things for good? And so I wanna be able to pray a prayer over you today. Then I wanna talk to another group of people. So Father, come to you now, praying over each person who has been seeking you, for the person who feels like they're in the fire right now, who feels like they're in one of the darkest moments of their lives. I pray that you would provide that even if faith, that they trust in you, they depend on you now more than ever. And God, that they see you for who you are. God, that they see themselves the way that you see them. In Jesus' name. For the second person, my last point, I talked about your rhythm impacting others' rhythm. You think about the rhythms that you set up in spending time with Jesus and spending time with God, how it can spiritually impact the people around you. For some of you, you you don't have that rhythm of of setting up uh, spiritually because you've, you've not experienced God. You've not experienced a relationship with Jesus. What I'm here to tell you today, that that same Jesus that was with Dennis in his hospital bed, that same Jesus that was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the same Jesus that wants a relationship with you. And so today, know that God loved you enough to send Jesus to die in your place for your sins so that you can have a brand new life in him. So today, if you feel that tugging, that pounding on your heart, I want you to be able to pray this prayer with me and receive that relationship with Jesus. So pray this with me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. 
so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.